For almost 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has pointed the way toward salvation through Jesus Christ. For each of us, that journey starts in darkness, as if in a cave. We invite you now to come with us as we seek wisdom and truth by way of faith and reason with your guides, Mark Tuttle and Timothy O'Donnell. Join us in the Catholic Cave. Welcome once again to the Catholic Cave. I'm Kent Blanford in the cave with me, Mr. Mark Tuttle, Mr. Timothy O'Donnell. Gentlemen, there are terms that are being tossed around in the media in the world today where we're talking about socialism, social justice, so the social good. What is the basis of Catholic social teaching? Well, Kent, I'm glad you asked. And uh, for today's program, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we are going to actually leverage a resource that our listeners can access as well, which is the uh, usccb.org website. So that's the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops website and all kinds of information and uh, church teaching and things like that, uh, other resources that are available one of those resources, and the one we're going to use today to kind of walk us through that question around uh, Catholic social teaching, is simply called the Seven Themes of Catholic Social Teaching. So I think what we're going to do, Mark, is we're going to take those uh, kind of one by one, uh, sort of uh, share what the USCCB has in mind by each of these themes, and then discuss a little bit and kind of unpack it. How does that sound? Sounds like a plan, Tim. Okay, well, let's let's dive right in. Okay, so there's seven of them. I like the fact that there's seven because that's, uh, you know, if you think about numerology in sacred scripture, seven's always the... Uh, the it, divine number. Yes, yes, the number of perfection, as I understand. Okay, so let's begin at the beginning. So number one, uh, the first theme of Catholic social... Uh, teaching is this. It's the life and dignity of the human person. It, it says this. It's kind of it's kind of brief. The Catholic Church proclaims that human life is sacred and that the dignity of the human person is the foundation of a moral vision for society. This belief is the foundation of all the principles of our social social teaching in our society. Human life is under direct attack from abortion and euthanasia. The value of human life is being threatened by cloning, embryonic stem cell research, and the use of the death penalty. The intentional targeting of civilians in war or terrorist attack is always wrong. Catholic teaching also calls on us to work to avoid war. Nations must protect the right to life by finding increasingly effective ways to prevent conflicts and resolve them by peaceful means. We believe that every person is precious, that people are more important than things, and that the measure of every institution is whether it threatens or enhances the life and dignity of the human person. So there's a lot in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The, but it sounds a, pretty, it sounds good though. Right. I mean, it sounds spot on to me. Yeah, and and I think the key there is that this is the foundation 
of mm. kind of the rest of what social justice is. Because if you don't have a respect for the intrinsic value of human life, it's really hard to find place for all the other concerns and all the other rights that, that would follow from it. Um, you know, you, you have to recognize... Which seems obvious when you say it. But I don't know that it is that obvious. No, and and you know it, it it it's obviously you know it hits on all the hot button issues in there. So you know obviously this is probably one of the most controversial of the the Catholic social teachings to to be perfectly honest in today's day and age. But you're right; it it seems like it should be fundamentally obvious. And I think where people get tripped up is they really want to be able to kind of have the ends justify the means. And yes, and when you're talking yes. about pretty much any human project, the means are going to involve the dignity of other human beings. And so if you, if you don't have that as the foundation of your social teaching, you can wind up with all sorts of other good intentioned ideas that are going to trample on the human rights of other human beings. Yeah. And there's, there's all kinds of examples. Let's, so one, one might be, uh, obviously it mentions abortion, Euthanasia. These are critical and timely because, as we're uh, t- talking today, we're in um, uh, Respect Life Month. So there's all kinds of things that are going on to raise awareness and activate um, each one of us in terms of prayer, making sacrifices, and, and actually taking action within our our family, our communities uh, to protect and promote the dignity of human life. One of the ways in which I think you're that you're talking about, Mark, which again I think you're spot on, there are there's a temptation because of say a desirable outcome or consequence that we might subordinate the means by which we go about bringing it about. And so let me tell you what. So I'm reading um, Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen's book called Communism in the West, and so it's his criti- he's writing it in like uh, it's published I think in like 1948. So, so not long after World War II, and uh, the Soviet Union is ascending quite a bit. The Cold War is really starting to really beginning. Um, and one of his critiques, phenomenal book, one of his critiques in there, as I read it, of, of this project of communism, one of its inherent errors, is that it puts the, its, its goal, its project of bringing about justice for workers over and above individual rights, including their right to life. Right, right. And, you know, I think the the idea there is, well, you know, you, if you're going to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. Right. So, you know, Which I love about an omelet, and that right. is true. Yep. But human beings aren't eggs. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> human beings aren't eggs. And, you know, I, I think the, um, you know, I, I think probably more commonly in our country, rather than trying to bring about good outcomes, um, you know, a lot of the assaults on human dignity come from trying to avoid the horrible outcomes that are part of life. So when, mm-hmm. when you start talking about embryonic stem cell research or, or even abortion um, and mm-hmm. euthanasia, um, those come about from the, this in, intrinsic desire to avoid suffering, to avoid horrible oh, yeah. things, to, to try to cure diseases. So, you know, they come about from attempts to do and bring about good things or I guess avoid really bad things that are only natural to, to want to, um, 
to, to pursue, but you've got to keep in mind that, that fundamental understanding that no, the, the most important human good is the dignity of human life itself. Let me give you a, let me give you a, a real example. So one of my, more than one of my students, um, in, in discussing, um, uh, the issue of abortion justifies abortion because abortion because the situation in which the child may be born um, would if it would if your estimate is that would likely cause the child to have to be quote unquote raised in foster care and then of course the assumption there is that foster care is horrible or bad or abusive so the so there's the there's the harm that they're trying to avoid it's better, this is their line of reason, it's better for the child to be aborted uh, in the womb in, instead of being born into a life of misery. Right, right. And you know who that is? That's Margaret Sanger says the exact same thing. Right. She's, you can watch the Chris Wallace interview on YouTube, and they, the students have no idea that that's who they're parroting. Right, right, and you know, I'm, you know, we are we are commissioned as as Christians to take care of the widows and orphans. So obviously, you know, being a widow or being an orphan is a it, it's a vulnerable situation. You know, it's a situation that that we're, the rest of us are called upon to sort of step up and protect and help provide for people who are widows and orphans. So obviously this is a state that we want to help people avoid, but you don't support somebody that's in that state by eliminating them. You don't, you don't, right. you don't eliminate poverty by eliminating the poor and you, you don't, you although don't, that's the project of eugenics. Exactly. <laughs> which exactly. we've talked about on the right. show before. And once again, you know, eugenics is that, that same idea that, well, you know, we, we've got good ends in mind, you know, we, human we, betterment. We, right. That we, was the term. We want a we want a more healthy society. We want yeah. we want a more prosperous society. So we're just going to kind of weed out the the weed yeah. out the problem. People is sort of I right. think the the idea behind eugenics and by uh, preventing them from being born primarily, right? Ideally and, through sterilization and contraception, but abortion as needed. Right. Right. That's and, their thought. Yep. And 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 obviously, you know that that's a violation of the human dignity of the individual. And I think, you know, if you want to sum up kind of where the rubber meets the road with this principle of um, Catholic social teaching is Catholics have to deal with individuals. You can't love groups of people collectively. You you really have to deal with individuals and, and love each person individually um, to the best of your ability rather than trying to, I guess, sort of bring about some sort of betterment for the collective good. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I'll tell you who does a really marvelous job, uh, although n- uh, not a Catholic, maybe not yet. Maybe he's what I call a, uh, I don't know, uh, sort of like a... Uh, undisclosed Catholic, even to himself. Maybe he's working his way. There's Jordan Peterson. He has several really good lectures. When he when he talks about the dangers of totalitarianism, it is that it is treating people by as collectives, um, because when you because when the good of the group outweighs the good of the individual, then you're able to to trample underfoot under you, you, uh, underfoot. 
um, anyone who gets in your way. Right. And that's not to say that we shouldn't all be working for the common good because that's part of that's oh, part yeah. of Catholic social yeah. teaching as well, yeah. that we should be working for the common good. But the, the USCCB rightly puts the dignity of each individual human life first. Yeah, because we each have an immortal soul. A lot of these, uh, I would say, a, a lot of the camps that um, uh, shatter uh, human, di- human dignity and worth often have atheistic um, tendencies or overt, like communism is overtly atheistic. Well, that brings up a really interesting question, too, and maybe we'll have to uh, take a break and come at this question in in a few minutes here. But um, do you have to be a Christian? Do you have to be a Catholic to recognize the inherent dignity of the individual? Is that really a religious belief? Because especially when it comes to abortion, that's the accusation that if you've seen— Oh, yeah, your life, voice and your faith on someone. Right, exactly. The idea you ought that not to do it. The <laughs> life is sacred, that's a religious belief. Well, and, uh, right. you know, you, you can't demand that other people recognize that religious belief. And with that, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more of the Catholic Cave on Catholic Radio Indy, taking a look at themes of Catholic social teaching. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy. We'll be back. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Where do you go for reliable information on what's happening in the world? Where can you turn for rock-solid teaching backed by centuries of unchanging, undeniable truth? Look first to the Catholic Church, and then be sure to tune in right here to Catholic Radio Indy. We are your source for 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Catholic Radio Indy and CatholicRadioIndy.org. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here with Timothy O'Donnell and Kent Blanford, and we are talking about the seven basic themes of Catholic social teachings. But let's let's take a step back and look at. And we're still only on number one. We're on number one, well, but it's the foundation. And that's where I was. So we'll going be able with to move this. faster through the right. rest. But I'll, I'll tell you mm-hmm. one of the when when I was on when I was in college and working with the, the college pro life group. One of the most difficult conversations I had, and it was this was a sincere question from a, a guy that, um, you know, actually who's probably more sympathetic to the pro-life cause than, than against it. But he asked me point blank, what's wrong with murder? Why, why is murder wrong? Mm. Um, you know, if, if, you, if, if somebody pushes you on it, why, why is it wrong to kill somebody else? And um, that's a really difficult question to answer when you, when you break it down. Um, you know, it's, it's something that we all sort of take for granted. We all, of course, murdering somebody is wrong. But when you try to get behind the why to it, you run into, and you try to do so from a, a, a point of view of, I'm going to answer this 
without bringing any type of religious beliefs um, of of you know of God or of the the human soul or of anything like that into it, it becomes a really difficult question to to answer. And it's a similar question to the what we what we left the what, you know what we came up to the the break with, of is the belief in the intrinsic value of human beings is this a religious belief or is this a belief that you know everybody can see whether they're atheists or not that that's a great question that comes up a lot i hear that i hear that quite frequently in conversations that i've had but also other thing other sort of venues and and debates and things like that that i like to enjoy um watching or being a part of and so I would say it's this. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, actually I, I think Bishop Robert Barron that did a, a a pretty good job. He has a YouTube video about Catholic or just morality in general. And if I if I re- if I if I read his position correctly, because I understand it correctly, it's it, he makes this case. He says, well, you can be um, you don't have to have religious faith to be able to see that human life is intrinsically valuable and therefore it's immoral or wrong to intentionally and unjustly take the life of another human being. You can see that. But he, he goes further. So you can see it. He goes, but without, without religious faith, the Catholic faith, what happens, is, what, you're, what you're susceptible to is um, you one, you don't have to reach that conclusion, and two, even if you've re- reached that conclusion, ultimately, it's kind of a sand foundation that the winds of time sh- can cause you to shift, and there's no good reason to continue to hang on to it. So, in order to be firmly grounded, that foundation of rock, you do need to have the Catholic faith. Ultimately, that's that's where you're going to need to go. Um, but it's not that you can't, that you have to be a Catholic to see that murder's wrong. It's just, you have to recognize that you're probably standing on sand and it could shift on you. Right. Right. I mean, ultimately all human activity comes down to the idea of trying to support and enhance and augment human life. And in, in some way, you know, when we, when we go to work, it's so that we can survive or have a better life. When we go to school and pursue an education, it's so that we can have a better life and, and perhaps even survive. Um, so, you know, really almost all human activity, the, the, ultimate, the ultimate goal of it, the, the ultimate object of it is the preservation of human life. And I think because of that, you know, it, it makes it foundational just from a, a common sense sort of way that, that most people can can see. Um, you know, you look at history, every culture, every civilization has had a prohibition on murder because without that, you wind up with chaos. So, um, you know, I think there's some some good reasons that people can see. But, you know, the the, the USCCB, I think you're I, I think you're right by by making that the foundation of Catholic social teaching. Um, ultimately, what they're saying is, you know, as religious people, it is our obligation to continually point this out to society because society does have a way of kind of forgetting the dignity and sanctity of human life. Oh, yeah. All kinds of all kinds of horrible example. I mean, uh, examples that are of, of the horrible consequences of not getting this foundation right 
have been carried out. All right. So we got the foundation. What's the next? All uh, right. Let's. All right. Number two. Okay. Number two. It's the call to family, community, and participation. And again, reading from the USCCB website, the person is not only sacred, but also social. How we organize our society in economics and politics, in law and policy, directly affects human dignity and the capacity of individuals to grow in community. Marriage and the family are the central social institutions that must be supported and strengthened, not undermined. We believe people have a right and a duty to participate in society, seeking together the common good and well-being of all, especially the poor and vulnerable. Wow, because you know we were just talking about how the foundational principle of recognition of the sanctity of human life, you know, most people can see that. This one, you know, I can see my friend Patrick Deneen up from Notre Dame standing up in the back of the classroom with his arm up, kind of like Horshack in the uh, Welcome Back Cotter <laughs> Show. Oh, 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 because, because I think he recognizes that, you know, this is one that our, our culture, our, our society, um, in some ways, almost from the beginning of our culture, has neglected and, and has not recognized always um, that society is based upon family and that man is as aristotle said man is by nature a social animal a political animal um our society in in some ways starts from some principles that that almost almost want to deny that and so we can get into all sorts of discussions around thomas hobbes and the foundation of of you know modern american government you know the idea that we've we we have been founded on the idea of social atomism from the get go mm-hmm. and so there's a there, there's almost a, an inbuilt line of thinking within a, american um, society that is at odds with this idea that no society and and the social foundation and the social fabric starts with the family. I, I, you're right that it's uh, you're right in, in making that claim that 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 certainly is what the church teaches. Here here's what my experience is, and I want your your thoughts and reaction to this, Mark. I, increasingly, as I as I work with college age students, here's what I found. Now, a couple of semesters ago, I had a class of about 30 students, and I asked, I asked them um, if they, how many of them had been um, uh, raised or being raised in a home with uh, married uh, biological, their biological mother and father. And out of 30 students, maybe it was 32, guess how many? Well, if you just want to go by straight statistics, it'd mm-hmm. be about half. Yeah, it was zero. Zero. <laughs> so yeah. it was none of them. And I think, so that's an anomaly. You're right, that's really high. Here's what I think is happening is this, the notion, right, that the understanding that um, uh, family life is the foundation has to be arrived at one of two ways, and ideally both both these ways. One is intellectually. In other words, you can study what a family is. You can look at outcomes, um, um, those sorts of things. And you can go, oh, I can see how a family unit produces uh, better outcomes for for human beings um, and society. 
that's one way. Another way is your own lived experience. And that's and and they can go hand hand in glove, right? But what's happening now is that the family has continued to deteriorate. And I think that's even accelerating. And so our ability to to instill that principle in others or reached reach that as a as a valued principle um, as a society, I think is waning and fading and uh, more of a sunset than a dawn of, uh, and, and there's huge implications when you lose the family as the building block of society. Right, right. And I think you, you go back to the Enlightenment and you go back to the Enlightenment thinkers and in a lot of ways the, the, the principles that, that informed the founding fathers of our country and they were talking about society being based off of some understanding of um, primitive, um, you know, sort of the, the 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 foundational principle of of what a person was like in his natural state. So they're trying to find the natural state of man, and I think you wind up with with kind of two predominant conclusions you end up with Hobbes that basically said yeah man in his natural state is vicious um, you know yeah. we're, we're, we're gonna kind of like a violent marauder exactly <laughs> and, and and we're gonna we're gonna wind up you know as individuals we're, we're, we're gonna wind up violent and we're gonna kill each other and so therefore mm-hmm. we need civil society to civilize us right. and and a state and a government to keep us from killing each other or you wind up with with Rousseau who said no man is by nature a uh, you know a, 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 a saint almost um, I think would be Rousseau's and and you know the natural state of man is is one of, of good and cooperation and um, you know society has a tendency to, to kind of um, pervert that to, to a good extent and so you know we want to be able to sort of uh, maintain that that natural state of, of cooperation um, in spite of civil society. The problem with both of those views is both of those views either step over the importance of family or see family as a negative institution in Rousseau's case. Um, you know, Rousseau would see the family as that first step of taking man out of his state of innocence. Um, and, you know, I think if you, you grow up with, in a large family with lots of brothers and sisters, you might have a little bit of sympathy for Rousseau's point of view there. I mean, you, you grow up with, with brothers and you, you see the, the fights and the arguments and, and, you know, all of the conflict that, that sometimes arises in family. You can kind of start to see, you know, maybe this is where the, the pristine, um, you know, understanding of what an individual human life on his own, um, you know, where, where it begins to erode. But um, quite the contrary is actually the truth. Where we learn to live with other people, where we learn and have those models of decency and compassion and love, and where we learn self-sacrificial giving is within the context of a family. And with that, we're going to need to take a break. We are covering the seven themes of Catholic social teaching on the Catholic Cave. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy. We'll be right back. You know us as Catholic Radio Indy, but we're so much more than just radio. We're a voice for the church that's seldom heard in our chaotic world. We're confirmation for the strong of faith and encouragement and answers for those in doubt. We're there to rejoice with your triumphs and to be a voice of consolation through the dark times. We're a voice for vocations and proudly pro-life. 
We are Catholic Radio Indy and CatholicRadioIndy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Timothy O'Donnell in the cave as usual. Fellow cave dwellers, Mark Tuttle, Kent Blanford, and we are spending our time together uh, reviewing, going through, discussing, trying to unpack a little bit the seven themes of Catholic social teaching. And uh, even though we're halfway through the show, we're only uh, through two of the seven. Marks. Exactly. You know, we are. Uh, <laughs> That's we are, how thick this stuff is, and we, are, we can spend a whole show on each one of these yeah. at least. Yeah, we are. We are philosophers, not necessarily mathematicians. So we yeah. have gotten through two of the seven in half the show, and uh, yeah, that's not. And a we're good, blabbers. That's not too. a good ratio, blab, Tim. Blab, that's blab. not a good ratio. So we got to move <laughs> along here. Yeah, hit the gas pedal. Here we go. All right, here's the next one. Uh, right, it's called Rights and Responsibilities. The Catholic tradition teaches that human dignity can be protected and a healthy community can be achieved only if human rights are protected and responsibilities are met. Therefore, every person has a fundamental right to life and a right to those things required for human decency. Corresponding to these rights are duties and responsibilities to one another, to our families, and to the larger society. Right. And as Catholics, I think that's important that when we say that, we need to keep the the crucifix in, in mind, that our responsibility ultimately for others involves literally self-sacrifice. Um, mm. You know that that our, our our rights agape and responsibilities, agape, depending how you say it, right? But but agape itself is 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 literally that willingness to give our lives for the sake of another. So we have the right to life, but on the other hand, we have the responsibility towards our brothers of literally laying down our lives for our friends. And I think that's where, uh, you know, in, in some ways, that's where Catholic social teaching begins to, to diverge from a lot of what you hear about as Kent started our uh, show off of, of social justice, of, of social, um, I don't know, social other stuff that gets thrown out there. <laughs> right. um, you know, for for the Catholic, we we have to always keep the example of Christ in mind, and Christ was willing to lay his life down for the sake of the world, and really that's our responsibility to to, to carry that that same cross and that same burden. Here's why I think a lot of disagreement comes up. It's it's in this it's in this sphere, and the sphere is this. Um, I think we I, we've talked about. It. I think we can all agree, or at least um, Catholics should be able to agree. Other people goodwill. Um, that every person has a fundamental right to life, so we've discussed that. The next part is where I think the disagreements uh, enter in, a right, and that is a right to those things required for human decency. That's where I think there's a lot of, like, how how do we create the conditions and provisions for human—because here, th- here what comes to mind for me are um, the basics and beyond, so the basics like um, food— shelter, clothing, um, education. Like how do we secure those? Because you need those to have, I would say, some semblance of human flourishing. And, and more, you need love. That's the other thing. It's not specifically spelled out, but I would say you need love. You need to love and be loved. Right. And, and I think it's important to recognize, you know, that, 
and Jesus points this out in the Bible that the poor will always be among us. Um, you know, that is going to those the the lack of those things is unfortunately going to be part of the human experience. Um, just in general, every society is going to have poor people. Every society is going to have people that lack those types of things. And it is the responsibility of the rest of us to try to step up to meet those needs and serve those individuals. But I, th- I think it's important to point out we are never going to eradicate those things. You know, we're never going to be able to create a society where there is a, a, a complete lack of poverty. We, we, we are never going to be able to create a society where everybody has what they deem to be enough food. Um, that, that's just an impossibility. But as Catholics, it is our responsibility to serve those and, and sacrifice for those that do not have enough. Yeah, I, I think they're, yeah, depending on, well, how we define terms, and then kind of what, uh, where we're looking, I think, makes a difference. So, for example, there's a um, having enough food. One, one might define that as uh, having basic nutritional needs met. And here I'm thinking of like a prison menu. Okay, so, for, so if you're locked up in Terre Haute at the Supermax, right, Mark? Because uh, something's gone horribly wrong. And so you're locked up there. Let's, uh, let's say unjustly. Let's say you're innocent, and you're, but you're in there. Someone's making nutritional choices for what you're going to eat. So they're not going to starve you to death. But you may, I've heard this happen, you may be eating like pressed turkey for the next however long you're there, right. the next 30 years. <laughs> That's what you're having. And you may hate it, you know, but it meets your, so you're not, so on one hand, maybe maybe your your basic need for food is being met, but you're certainly not, certainly not getting your preferences met. Um, and that, and, I, and I'll, I'll tie that in. I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek, a little facetious there. But here's one, I think, one of the biggest struggles that we have um, is distinguishing between a right and a preference um, because there's all kinds of uh, talk about uh, I have a right to this, I have a right to that, and that can, there's lots of rights talk. And a lot of good Catholic authors and, and theologians have written about this. Um but but how do we separate a right from a preference? I think that's that's one of the that's one of the more uh, tricky things. And and what are your thoughts there? Well, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I I think that's an important discussion to have. But I'm not necessarily sure that what the USCCB is talking about is going to that that question of of rights versus preferences. Um, you know, I, I you don't. You don't have to walk farther than most of the food pantries that our parishes and, and our church is helping to support to see that the lack of basics like food, clothing, shelter is a reality for a lot of people in our society. And, um, you know, that we do have to put that as one of the important parts of social teaching to provide for those that lack those things, even in what, what is ultimately, you know, the most wealthy, the most privileged culture that history's ever seen, the poor are still among us. And that's just going to be a reality. Yep. And that's going to get us to the next one, which is called the next uh, theme of the seven themes of uh, Catholic social teaching. And that is the option for the poor and vulnerable. How about that? And uh, here's what the USCCB has to say about it. It says, a basic moral test is how our most vulnerable members are faring 
in a society marred by deepening division between rich and poor. Our tradition results, uh, recall, I'm sorry, our tradition recalls the story of the last judgment from uh, St. Matthew's Gospel 25, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46, and instructs us to put the needs of the poor and the vulnerable first. Right. And that is a uh, that is a requirement of social teaching. I think where it gets controversial, though, is the question of do we as Catholics have an obligation to support political policies and, and political parties that are promoting um, the social welfare? You know, is that is that a responsibility that we always vote for our taxes to go to projects that would purport to be providing for the poor? Or is there room as Catholics to say, no, that's that's a responsibility of individuals. We don't necessarily want government programs and bureaucracies because those become faceless. And in a lot of ways, you could say those violate the foundational principle, number one, of the dignity of each individual um, by, by creating a system where, you know, People are, are, you know, their their needs are being met, but we're shoveling them through a, a system, and and uh, we're we're dehumanizing them by making them, you know, be served by this bureaucratic apparatus. And it's much better for us as individuals, um, without government intervention, to step up and uh, and and meet the needs of the of the poor. Yeah, the, I I think where we try to um, draw a line is between, on one hand, it's having a social safety net that protects people from the worst harms that, um, you know, uh, that, uh, that existence really can offer. So creating a, a, pro, a safety net that prevents ab- people starving to death in the street, things like that, right? People living, uh, homelessness, is, I think, is an example. Um, eradicating homelessness, things like that. But but on the other hand, you can go too far, which is that you create a uh, a social system that one for its recipients of the benefits creates a kind of de- dependency that uh, diminishes or denies them the dignity that comes with say work, um, and also what you talk about, which is that then. Those who are providing, say, the resources, it we get too far removed from this responsibility to care for the poor and the vulnerable, and we can become sort of anesthetized, and in, and it creates a kind of indifferentism, because well, I don't have to go volunteer at the food pantry because I pay taxes and my tax dollars are providing it. So you can get removed, you can you can become indifferent to the plight of the poor. By um, uh, by being too far removed, right, right, and and obviously that that sort of indifference and callousness, I think that plays into just about any political position that you could have on this as a, as a possibility, and I think that's why it's important to point out that you know with with social teaching and with a lot of Catholic teaching, there's a wide wide variety of prudential positions that you can have as long as you're still focused on the, the the goal. So if if the goal is to best serve the poor, there's lots of different programs, lots of different ways, lots of different means to 
pursue that. And we need to have a healthy discussion as a society. There can be healthy disagreement as to what the best way to go about that as a society is. And that's where, you know, good, good politics, good political discussion comes about, different differences in, in political theory and, and, and politics comes into play. And there's room for that within Catholic social teaching. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more looking at the seven themes of Catholic social teaching on the Catholic Cave. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy. You know us as Catholic Radio Indy, but we're so much more than just radio. We're a website, catholicradioindy.org, with access to great Catholic resources, including podcasts of all our local programming, podcasts that have been downloaded from all 50 states and over 40 countries on six continents. Yes, we are Catholic Radio Indy, but thanks to your support, we're taking the gospel of Christ to the ends of the earth. Catholic Radio Indy and catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Timothy O'Donnell with Mark Tuttle, Kent Blanford, and we are working our way through the seven themes of Catholic social teaching as outlined by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops on their website, usccb.org. Mark, we've gotten through four of them, and the four are life and dignity of the human person, foundational. Next, we talked about and shared Call to family, community, and participation. That was number two. Number three, rights and responsibilities. Number four is option for the poor and vulnerable. And that's kind of where we left off last segment. You can see linkage to these, right, that these are all kind of connected. Now we're going to look at uh, the dignity of work and the rights of workers. Right. And that's one, that's one I think that often gets, gets neglected. Um, because in our society, in, in America, honestly, that, that one tends not to be questioned too much. Um, you know, on the, the idea that we all have a right and responsibility to use our talents, to um, use our talents to provide for our families, but also use our talents to serve the rest of humanity, to serve our community through our, our work, through what we do for, for gainful employment. And almost goes without saying within our culture, but you know, uh, there there are cultures and and, uh, and and countries today, and and definitely countries in the past where that one has uh, definitely come into question. Yep, and the USCCB puts it this way: it says the uh, the economy must serve people, not the other way around. Work is more than a way to make a living. It is a form of continuing participation in God's creation. If the dignity of work is to be protected, then the basic rights of workers must be respected, which are the right to productive work, to decent and fair wages, to the organization and joining of unions, to private property, and to economic initiative. Right, right, and uh, as I said, you know, in all in in our society, you know, there there are there are areas I think where we can all kind of look and say, oh yeah, you know, we we might be able to improve on that, but for the most part, the dignity of work, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but for the most part, the dignity of work tends to be fairly universally recognized. I think where where you get into questions is what we were talking about with the last the, the last segment a little bit is when you create that safety net 
are are you keeping in mind the dignity of human work um, as you're providing for the poor? In other words, are you still allowing them an opportunity to use their talents, to develop their talents, to serve other people, or are you treating them as if you know they're almost third class citizens because they're you know down on their luck and and in need of of some help and assistance, whether it's through private means and you know local church-based initiatives that can be demeaning to individuals by not giving them the opportunity to serve others or also you know the state-run institutionalized welfare system that can also lead to the same problem of um of, of not giving people the opportunity to truly exhibit their 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 skills to to develop themselves as human beings and serve others through dignified work yeah i i think even so stepping outside the catholic sphere for a minute um, a really great book is called Coming Apart by Charles Murray, who's a great, uh, very, very gifted sociologist. And one of the things he points out in that book when he's trying to, and this is really from more of a, um, he, he lists four tenets that lead to, to happiness. I'm just going to talk about one of them. Rel- religious faith is one. I'm not going to unpack that today. But, but another one that he talks about, about happiness, which is this deep satisfaction with one's life, is that a tenant in order for that to happen in order for that to be to be possible to bring it about is that one has to give oneself over to a project um with response making a responsible contribution over time a long period of time in such a way that the achievement or outcome of the project was better because you were a part of it and so work is the means by which we can do that and fulfill that. So it's not just what I do. It could be a singular achievement over a long period of time, like inventing something that's a sort of a breakthrough technology, let's say. But more often than not, it's, it's acting within a group to achieve something for the common good where you're shouldering responsibility, you're putting in um, your best effort consistently over a long period of time and it and what you're involved in is better because you may because you made that contribution that's a source of what let, let's call it pride it's a source of pride that leads pride not in a sinful way but in a hey god gave me these talents and i developed the gifts and talents that he gave me to better uh uh better myself by reaching more of my full potential and i bettered others right and it provides purpose and meaning. You know, I, I think of uh, Viktor Frankl as well. Oh, was, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I read his book finally not that long ago. Right. And, you know, Viktor Frankl says, you know, the, the most fundamental need of human beings is that recognition of purpose, mm. that, that recognition of my life has meaning, my life is important in some way. And he talks about, you know, he was a uh, concentration camp survivor. Right. And he talks about how in the concentration camp, one of the ways that work was demeaned, and I think this gets to the, to, to a lot of what the, the, the USCCB is trying to point out with this, the way work was demeaned was by purposeless labor. So they would oh, move yeah. they would move a, a pile of rocks from one end of the camp to the next, and then they would move it back the next day. And this was devised as a, a form of torture. Sure. Um, because it's completely meaningless, purposeless 
work. And so, you know, to, to have that dignity of work, there has to be meaning to it. There has to be purpose. It has to be, you have to be engaged in work in a way that you see is, is productive, that is helping other people, whether it's helping your family, whether it's helping, I think, yourself develop your own talents, or and, and also how it's serving a community. So all of that plays into the dignity of, of work, and that's why just wages are a part of that. Um, you know, if, if you're just laboring and there's no... Um, I, I, I guess, uh, there's no, you, you're not getting a just wage for your labor. That's demeaning mm-hmm. and it's demeaning not only to the work, but it's, it's to you as a, a human being as well. Um, if, if your work is outside the context of the community and you see no purpose to your job whatsoever, no matter what you're getting paid, that can be demeaning and, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and lead to a, I'll give a you good of dignity exa- of, of work. I'll give you an example in film where that was really brought out. I thought really well, this purposeless uh, uh, work. And that is in, it's a classic movie, Cool Hand Luke. With Paul Newman, I don't know if you remember seeing oh, that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So there's one. So he's uh, so he's in he's jailed, uh, but he's in more like a work camp kind of jail, and I don't know where Georgia, I think. Georgia. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. Well, he escapes, and one of his punishments for escaping the first time is that he's forced to dig a hole, a big, big hole by hand with a spade. That's hard work. And then as soon as he gets done digging it, it's you know, dark out, it's probably midnight or later, and it's his, and he's exhausted and sweaty. And it, there's no purpose. They didn't need the hole, they just had him do it. And then as soon as he and as soon as he all right, you're done digging the hole. What's all this dirt doing over here? Get that dirt back in that hole. And then he has to go fill it back up. I mean, it's just it's back it was back breaking work, but it was but what exact what causes the mental anguish, which always makes things worse is the pointlessness of it all. Right. And, you know, that leads in, I think, well to the next point of social teaching, that movie, Cool Hand Luke particularly, which is solidarity. Yes, we've got solidarity. And here's what the USCCB says, because we've got to get to that, and we've got to get to care for God's creation. So I'm just going to mention it in case we run out of time. So that's number seven. So we did talk about all seven at some to some degree. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be cutting a corner there. All right, Solidarity. We are one human family. Whatever our national, racial, ethnic, economic, and ideological differences, we are our brothers and sisters keepers, wherever they may be. Loving our neighbor has global dimensions in a shrinking world. At the core of the virtue of solidarity is the pursuit of justice and peace. Pope Paul VI taught that if you want peace, work for justice. The gospel calls us to be peacemakers. Our love for all our sisters and brothers demands that we promote peace in a world surrounded by violence and conflict. Right. And, you know, I like the way the USCCB phrases this, that the, the, the pursuit of, you know, what in common parlance is social justice, the pursuit of social justice really is solidarity. It, it's that recognition within people of every race, of, of every condition, that we are brothers and sisters and that we are all sons and daughters of God. Um, you know, that, that recognition and, you know, you, you think of solidarity and you, you think of the idea of, of sort of locking arms 
arms with the person next to you, no matter who they are. Um, you know, that, that framing of it, I think protects from a lot of sort of the abuses that we're seeing of terms like social justice these days. I also find a connection. Uh, it, it's met maybe differently or how it's uh, the practical application is differently, but I want to say Plato makes a very similar kind of, and Aristotle too, really about um, the, the justice in the polis, right, in the city um, is what's going to lead towards uh, peace and human flourishing. Right, right. And, and you know, it, you, you, know you, you bring up Aristotle, you bring up Plato. Who do you think I have to bring up? I'm Heidegger. A, no, Immanuel <laughs> Kant, of course. Oh, Kant again. Good Lord. You but must yeah. get like a royalty for like mentioning his name. <laughs> but yeah, that universality, um, that, that idea that, that, that idea that yeah. justice starts with the idea that everybody, everybody um, participates and everybody has to be treated in a way that you yourself would want to be treated. Well, let's go on to the last one because we've got a couple of minutes left. And this might be something we pick up uh, – we pick up again in another program because uh, this is something Pope Francis has, ver- has written about before, and now there's a new encyclical out. And I think uh, I don't think we've I haven't read it yet, but uh, need to read it, and then maybe we'll talk about it. But it's called uh, the the last the seventh theme is care for God's creation. We show our respect for the Creator, the capital C, by our stewardship of creation. Care for the earth is not just an Earth Day slogan. Oh, I love that. It's funny. Earth Day slogan. Right. Okay. Uh, It is a requirement of our faith. We are called to protect people and the planet, living our faith in relationship with all of God's creation. This environmental challenge has fundamental moral and ethical dimensions that cannot be ignored. Right. And and once again, you know, I think it, it, it's important to, to point out that there can be a wide variety of political ways that the rubber meets the road when it comes to certain positions like this. So just because you envi- are environmentally conscious does not necessarily mean that you need to line up with any particular political program that's going to bring that about one way or the other. There's lots of different lots of different ways and and I think you can make a strong argument that it reinforcing and pushing for more private ownership and private property um, is one of the better ways to preserve the environment because individuals are going to take care of their plot of earth. They're going to take care of what they own. And so, you know, pushes towards collectivization lead to environmental degradation. You know, some of the worst environmental disasters of the last century happened in communist collectivist countries. Um, Chernobyl. Chernobyl. I just watched that documentary. That was something else. You know, I think of the, the, the air pollution that they, uh, you know, I think they've cleaned up their act a little bit, but it's still horrible that that comes out of China. Um, You know, those types of, uh, those types of environmental degradation, you know, it, it, it is not always a collectivist society that leads to environmental health. And that is all the time we have for the Catholic Cave for today. We've been discussing the seven themes of Catholic social teaching. You can find that document at usccb.org. For Tim O'Donnell, for Mark Tuttle, I'm Kent Blanford. You've been listening to the Catholic Cave on Catholic Radio Indy. Until next time, be holy. The Catholic Cave is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. 
Replays of this program are available in podcast form at catholicradioindy.org. Comments about this program can be addressed to Kent at catholicradioindy.org or by calling 317-870-8400. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.